This episode of the Supply Chain Brain Podcast is supported by Lucas Systems, a provider of warehouse optimization software that helps workers and managers do their jobs faster and better. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company and what it offers to customers. But now, on to the podcast. What do warehouse workers really, really want? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Warehouse work is tough. Start with that. It's both physically demanding and monotonous. And wages can, shall we say, vary according to the facility. No surprise, then, that it's difficult these days finding and retaining the labor to staff distribution centers. And it makes eminent sense to figure out what it takes to attract a steady workforce. That was the mission of the latest research from Lucas Systems, entitled Competing for the Warehouse Workforce of the Future, and is part of Lucas's ongoing series of insights on the voice of the warehouse worker. Today, we'll delve into the contents of the new study with the help of Ken Ramatar, Chief Marketing Officer with Lucas. The contents might surprise some if you think that wages are the single biggest driving force behind worker retention, or that robots in the warehouse are out to supplant humans entirely. We'll also learn about the preferences of Gen Z, and how warehouses can attract a younger, tech-savvy workforce. Here's my conversation with Ken Ramatar. Ken Ramatar, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Bob. So, a recently released thought leadership piece from Lucas Systems, Competing for the Warehouse Workforce of the Future which is another in a continuing series of insights from the Voice of the Warehouse Worker reports. I want to talk about that, Ken. Just to start, though, I want to get a sense, because this is a strong part of the study, and that is the generational differences in warehouse workers, and more specifically, Gen Z workers today. How would you sum that up? Bob, the way I'd sum it up is I think the first point is that the labor shortage issue that most customers are experiencing in the distribution, logistics, and kind of frontline spaces, it's much bigger than that, that there's really a fairly big shift coming in terms of the future workforce. And that's one of the reasons we did the study to really try to get insights as to what does that Gen Z, which is, is really going to be your future workforce, given the amount of baby boomers that are going to retire, and, and the Gen Z workforce really taking place of that baby boomer workforce. There's less of those Gen Zs, and they, they act and behave differently, and they value different things. So that's really why we wanted to really try to understand what it's really going to take to attract and retain particularly the Gen Z workforce. What do they value, Ken, that's different from what previous generations did in this environment? Uh, well, we did the study, Bob, to, to really try to understand that. Well, a few things really jumped out at us with regards to their value. A couple things. One is they really are very sensitive to the environment they work in and are really looking for a very modern, tech-enabled, tech-savvy environment. Gen Z workforce 
uses tech in their everyday personal lives, and they expect very similar types of tech at work. The Gen Z workforce also really stood out in terms of how much they rated physical stress as one of the highest things, the hardest part of the work that they do. So 79% of the workers we interviewed said that that was one of their biggest challenges. So they're very sensitive to the fact that this is stressful work in a distribution center and really looking for good environments, good tech to really make their jobs easier and better. Well, we're going to be talking about some of the solutions to that in a few minutes, but just again, just to get this general sense, I mean, the hit on Gen Z and on younger workers is, number one, they don't stick around. You can't really trust them to be with you for a long period of time. But then the other question is, do they even want warehouse work? It's not on paper, justified or not, it's not that attractive a position. So could you kind of address those two things? Do you feel that it's more difficult to retain Gen Z and, for that matter, to attract them in the first place to this type of job? Great question. I think there are two different answers. One is, I think, to attract them, it's more than money, right? And that's one thing that really came out very clear, that 74% of the workers agree that they would take a pay cut to get better technology elsewhere. Most of the sort of current thinking is just raise the wages until you can attract workers. Well, there's a story in there. That's not the only thing that's going to attract them or keep them. And once you get them in, there is competition for service level work in retail, in other frontline jobs. So the environment, the tech that they have, the fact that they're able to learn new things really does matter a lot more to the Gen Z workforce. Uh, and they're looking at those things. So as employers think about competing for the workforce of the future, they're going to have to think about different things than they're thinking about now, which is mostly centered around pay and benefits. So much for getting the workers across the warehouse across the street simply by upping the hourly rate. Yeah, not yeah. going to work. And there's a limit to that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, that causes a spiral upward. Then the one across the street raises their rates and it just it's a race to the top. And and still you haven't satisfied exactly. the worker in a, in a really exactly. profound way. Well, let's talk exactly. about some of the ways in which this actually can be achieved. There are some major points you make in this latest report that are really valuable. One is the idea that you need to create an environment that wins the worker. Ken, how do you do that? It's not easy, or employers would just magically jump to that. But, you know, environment means different things to different workers. So we've seen in some cases, some companies, publicly companies like REI and McKesson, who are doing things to really make the warehouse just a more pleasant work environment, closer to where the way people are looking at making offices very attractive. So they're adding more natural light. They're doing things like putting in fitness centers or, or other outdoor work areas, comfortable places. I've been in hundreds of warehouses, Bob, and the brand new shiny ones are great, well lit, good temperatures, but there's many out there that the environment is just not that pleasant place to work eight, 10 hours a day. So I think that's one area when it comes to create an environment that wins the worker. It's got to be a place that you want to go in and want to spend 8 to 12 hours a day. And I think the other thing around environment is, are they being challenged to learn new things? Are they given tech, given systems, a chance to work with some of the newer things, even robotics? We talked to many workers here at Lucas and tried to get their views on things like robotics. And it's surprising how many of them really do embrace robots. They want to work with them. They want to understand how this tech works and they want to be kind of part of that environment. There's far fewer of them that are worried about robots taking their job. So when it comes to the environment, I think there's multiple dimensions. There's a physical environment. There's the learning environment. And then we're also seeing, you know, some of the more forward-thinking companies put in things like gamification. 
how do you get workers sort of engaged to all collectively compete? Maybe it's around how much work they get done or how fast they work. So there's ways to make the environment, I think, a lot more attractive. We're still feeling the effects of those horror stories of the warehouses that don't have heat, don't have air conditioning, that are brutal places to work. And I suspect there are fewer of those now because of that. And I guess the future obviously lies with what you're describing here. But you alluded to robots, and I want to talk more about that, but as part of a more general discussion about automation, and that is the, the report urges that we invest in automation that benefits and advances the on-floor worker and manager. So specifically, what type of automation, what type of technology are we talking about here? There's several types of tech, but when you think about automation in the warehouse, there's a wide range of kinds of automation technologies from conveyor systems to automated storage to sorters, automated packers. So when you think about the worker themselves, they're going to value the tech that they can see directly impacts their workday, makes it easier, faster, less stressful, safer. Those are the kind of technology areas that we've seen the workers say, yes, these things are very helpful to me. So when we ask them to kind of rate what kinds of tech they would value, you see things like we really value things like mobile devices and scanning that help me kind of not have to think and write numbers down, that I can move quickly and scan, and I'm I'm sure that it's accurate. Uh, Voice technologies that help them guide them throughout the warehouse uh, so they can keep their eyes on the work and stay safe with machinery moving around. Those are some of the kinds of tech that they're rating higher, they're saying, because that directly impacts me as a worker. And at the end of the day, I have less physical and mental stress. And as you say, this younger generation is, is much more concerned about the physical stress aspect of it. If we talk about robots, yeah. in many cases, the very purpose of a robot is to take on that physical stress away from the human being, right? Absolutely right. We're seeing use cases where you know, people are embracing robots if they see uh, Bob, that a robot can do some of the work that's not really a lot of fun, like moving pallets around on long hauls, right? Or when your worker is uh, doing picking, filling up a cart or filling up totes, and then the robot's able to then transport that tote and get it over to a conveyor, but that, that may be 200 yards away. So that's the kind of work they're like, great, I don't have to do that. I really appreciate having robots in the warehouse when they do that kind of work that humans really don't want to do or really don't need to do. As you point out, too, this is a generation, if we're back to the talking about Gen Z or the younger generation of workers, that grew up with technology. And the moment they put on a pair of smart glasses in the warehouse, that's pretty much akin to a virtual reality headset playing a video game. It's got to be second nature to them, does it not? Yeah, we've gotten a lot of feedback from different generations of workers as we've done our work here at Lucas. Um, And there definitely is an affinity for technology at the younger generations and things that they know, things that they use in their personal life. Mobile devices are very common. They expect to get information to be able to communicate back to their supervisors to use voice technologies, which is common today in, in personal and consumer devices. Smart glasses and things like that, are there's still a lot of experimentation with it, but I can guarantee you that when those things come of age to so where they're really productive and useful, the, the, the younger generation will have no trouble adopting them. But there's also this idea that, and this is maybe an incorrect idea, is that once you give over a lot of that stuff to the robots and 
basically the automated system is telling the worker exactly where to go, whether it's smart glasses or pick to light and go here, go there, do this, do that. You're almost turning potentially the worker into a robot themselves. You're disengaging. It sounds like you'd be disengaging their brain, and that would be a very alienating experience. Can you indeed create an environment where the human brain is also valued and human judgment at the same time they're, they're more productive because automation is helping them to do their job better? Yeah, I think that that's absolutely the case. I could see why there's potentially the conclusion that we could make the people sort of not think and basically just do. But I think our point of view is that the division of labor over time will evolve with tech to where the humans are actually then doing more work that does require the work that robots can't do, work that requires thinking, work that requires decision making, and the physical work tends to go more with the robots, the more repetitive work would go more with the robots. There's still challenges in some kinds of work where the robot capabilities aren't there yet, things like dexterity to do very complicated picking when there's multiple things in a bin and you have to decipher which is which and they're not all the same size. There's still where there's humans have to use their brain because if you go into a big warehouse with 100,000 SKUs in it and you're trying to decipher small differences between one part versus another, that's where you need people to actually make decisions and know that's the right part, know that's the wrong part. Another section of this report, and once again, it continues this conversation about human and humans and technologies. It says, go beyond zero training with intuitive and evolutionary tech. First of all, go beyond zero training. What do you mean by that? There hasn't been any I mean, training on the technology or training has just gone begging in a warehouse environment before. What do you mean by that exactly? What we mean is, Bob, there's, there's multiple kinds of training for typical warehouse worker receives or needs to know so they can do their job well. One is how to do the work that's being required in the warehouse. And that can be different from one warehouse to another. This is the way we pick or this is the way we do replenishment or put away and loading. They have to learn the processes. And then second, whatever tools that they're given to do that with. In a non-automated warehouse, that's paper and pencil, right? In a more automated environment, there's tech. And so they have to learn the tech, how to use it, how to deal with exceptions, how to deal with something when it's you're not clear what you're supposed to do next. Mm-hmm. So this typical training. And what we see is that training can be a pretty significant investment from the employer because it takes some time. It takes time for people to learn how to do those things in the warehouse, how to use the tech, and to add on what we've seen as higher levels of worker churn. So they're constantly retraining people, right? New people come in the door every day. So our concept around zero training is that getting tech to a place where it's like a smartphone. You don't need a lot of training today to use your smartphone. You're pretty comfortable with how things work. Maybe you'll spend a little time getting oriented to it, but the phone is very smart. It helps you actually learn, and it learns what you like, and then you can figure it the way you want. Our vision is that the way technology is going to evolve or the way that it needs to evolve to serve that Gen Z population is has to be very intuitive, almost zero training or going beyond zero training means how does the tech actually train you and help you get better and learn what you're doing and start to tell you how you can do things better. I see. So in that case, the word, the phrase zero training, which sounded to me like a negative thing, is actually a positive. It's something you seek because it helps the worker adapt the technology faster. Training is an overhead. If you have to spend a lot of effort and time training your employees, your productivity is lower. So frankly, the less training you can do and have workers be ready to go, very productive, that's what you want to go for. 
The report talks about labor attraction and retention tools. So I guess that these this technology is fashioned for that purpose specifically, to keep the people in the site and, and have them continue to enjoy their job. Right. Yeah, we've seen cases, Bob, where it's a attraction and retention tool, meaning workers have choices. As you said, they can go across the street and work in a warehouse, so they can some of these industrial parks have seven or eight big distribution centers very close to each other, so they're all competing for a workforce in the geographic area. What's going to keep the workers at your facility? Well, one of the things that keeps them is, hey, it's much better work there. The tech is better. I have more fun working there. I feel safer. I'm learning something. Those are the things we're seeing that this Gen Z population really values. The fourth big point in the report, and you've already alluded to this earlier in our conversation, is this idea of reimagining the warehouse division of labor and the so-called distribution center ecosystem. When you say reimagine, we're talking about who does what, right? What does the people Absolutely. do? What does the system do? Yeah. Reimagining indicates that it's a whole new way of looking at it from what, how we used to, correct? Yeah, I mean, we in, in the work that we did, for example, 73% of the Gen Z workers feel like robots will help them do their jobs. That's a really high number. So there's definitely an affinity and an attraction toward folks saying, there's work here I'd rather not do, right? And I really wish the machine could do it. So I think it's the beginning of really this reimagining. Consider the future state where you have robots and people working side by side. And we think mm -hmm. that is the more common future state for distribution centers. That's a new workforce. We hear about collaborative robots or cobots. We hear about this idea, and you mentioned the report of share tasking, also a way of yep. balancing the two. So in other words, the end game here is not the so-called lights-out warehouse where there's no people at all. Is that correct? I think that's going to be a rare, what I call edge case, distribution center with very specific kinds of products where that's even possible. 90 plus percent of the warehouses will still have a large human workforce augmented by various different kinds of robots, machinery to do certain tasks. And we're seeing the beginning of that in our own customer base here at Lucas, but we don't see many of our customers believing that they can get to a lights out state. And so looking at this problem from a, how do I manage this new workforce, which is now people and machines together, that's the new division of labor. Ken, tell me about Lucas Systems and where it fits into the picture of all we've been talking about, about the warehouse of the future, the operations and systems of the future. Where are you guys right now on that? Yeah, Lucas Systems is a software company. We've been in business 25 years. In fact, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary this year. Lucas Systems makes software to help workers and supervisors and managers do their jobs easier, faster, better in the distribution center. We do this through a combination of technologies such as voice, artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, and we apply that in a system which we call Jennifer. Jennifer is the brains of the entire system. We're in some 400 warehouses across the globe. Many of our customers, by using Lucas technology, see dramatic improvements in things like productivity, productivity gains in the 30-40% range. We have artificial intelligence algorithms that can reduce worker travel 30 to 50%, which is a big stress on workers. Many workers travel five, six miles in the warehouse just walking. We're in a variety of industries from food to grocery to parts, mechanical, 
And many of our customers, Bob, have been with us well over 15 years. Ken Ramatar of Lucas Systems, I want to thank you so much for sharing your insights and your latest voice of the Warehouse Worker Report, competing for the Warehouse Workforce of the Future, as well as telling us a little bit about Lucas Systems itself. Thank you very much for being with me today. Thank you, Bob. That was my conversation with Ken Ramatar of Lucas Systems, talking about the warehouse workforce of the future. We thank Lucas Systems for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.splychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. And also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time.